0: so my name is jay morton i am ex-ex uh, special forces ex SAS, and i come from preston do you know what i always thought that i always thought that i wasn't set out for the normal life do you know we have this vision of a normal life where you get up in the morning you kiss your wife goodbye and wave goodbye to your kids and set off on your nine to five job on the trainer in the car and you work for those eight or nine hours during the day and then finish and then come home and, you know, the tea's on the table and, you know, you you do whatever, go and play tennis or golf or go to the gym and then go to bed and then repeat that. I don't know, like, I always, I always kind of knew deep down that, like, that life would just not entertain me from the start. Um, I, you know, looking back now, like, I've always been into fitness or pushing myself, like, even as a kid. Like, I was the one that was going out running when I was at school. Um, Do you know, I remember like my parents, or I remember I bought, you know, for Christmas, I I wanted like the weights bench out of Argos, right? And the set of weights, and I was like 13 years old, just trying to get massive, just doing everything completely wrong. Um, So like, from an early age, I kind of, I found comfort in pushing myself. Um, Do you know, and all all your other mates are. Know, still drinking and, and trying to score with girls and yeah I was just trying to throw throw weights around from an early age and just just run. Even now, I think gut, gut, you know that gut feeling or that gut instinct is is generally how I navigate through life. Um, and you know I think the more you do it and the more you actually follow that gut feeling and, and listen to it, the more in tune you get to it. Um, but back then you know, 16, 17 years old. It was. I don't know. Like I, I've always had it in my like. I'm I'm competitive, right? I've always wanted to, you know, secretly or, or whatever, just be better than the people around me, and not in a, not in like a bad way. As in, still now I like to, feel like if we if we all just went for a run that I'd I'd be able to hold my own or just be at the front. Because I never. I guess I never had that growing up. I think human beings are just pre-programmed to just take the easy option. Um, and the world we live in right now just, you know, gives so many options to just live in those easy options. Like we live in a house, right? We don't have to feel the weather outside of the elements. You know, there's no rain. Like we've all got a warm bed to sleep in. We've all got cash in the bank, whether we work or not. Um, you walk down to the, the shops or get in your, your, your transport vehicle, your car. It's like, everything's easy, right? Like, life is set up to be easy. So it's more about just, you know, it's by no one's fault that everyone just ends up living the easiest life that they possibly can and just, and you know, that, that monotonous kind of life that everyone just seems to fit into, right? Leave school, get grades, go to college, get A-levels, study, go to university, um, and then get that nine to five job, like earn a load of cash, save up for your retirement, retire, have that mortgage and that car. And um, I don't know, it's like, you've got to be able to pull away from that and try and understand why everyone's doing that. And everyone's doing it just cause everyone else is doing it. And that's not a reason to be doing stuff. Um, so you've got to like say, well, what do I want in life? What do I want to do? And, you know, for me, the military gave me a, a lot of those answers because it was something completely different. I think even just going to war or going to battle or being involved in combat, you know, you grow up in a different way and you get to see the world in a different way. Do, do you know, like, earlier on, earlier on in my career, um, do you know, like, I was, you know, I joined the powers. I was 19 years old, deployed to Iraq, I was 20, deployed to Afghanistan in 2006, I was 21. And um, yeah, like we got involved in like heavy fighting pretty early on. like 21 years old, like all your mates are still doing the same thing that they're, they're doing back at home, and you grow up very quick. Um, it's a different kind of education. And then I, I think kind of, you know, like you're full of testosterone when you're 21 years old, aren't you? And you know, you, you almost, I don't know, you kind of want to be in battle, but at the same time. You don't want the bad, you don't want the the negative aspects of it, like you you don't want to see your mates die, um, or anyone die for that reason on your side. And I think the older you get, like the more wiser you get and the more you're able to like listen to your body and mind more and just like understand more about I guess what you want and where you fit into into combat and and I guess like the the further on on in my career was more of just like seeing what human beings are just capable of doing to each other. Um, And again, you can look at that in like a really negative way, but I kind of I looked at it as a positive and just because, you know, life's short and life's even shorter when you're shooting bullets at each other. So it's like, you know, there's there's kids or whatever or young people or all these people dying and it's like they're all living in this like hell hole kind of thing and it was um, for me it was more about you know it taught me it taught me more about just how I want to live my life outside of, of that area and uh, understanding that life's short and you do what you do what you do to make you happy and you follow those things instead of you know what we say about like following that normal life dream. You know the things that you're exposed to. I've always seen it as a as a positive, to be honest. Because um, I don't know. It depends what kind of frame. It depends what kind of character you are, right? Some people are exposed to battle and, and death and seeing dead bodies and teammates dying, and they go one way, right? They go down. It's that PTSD route. And um, I think for a lot of people, they see that stuff and. You know i've heard the saying a lot of times but i don't think lads are that aware of it is ptsg so post-traumatic growth and I, I guess that's what i felt was you know i was seeing all this stuff i was being exposed to all this stuff but like i felt i don't know it give me like like i said I, I grew up right it gave me a different view on the world and there are positives to take from that like you know, nothing. I don't have anything that haunts me. I don't have any snags or problems now. It's just, do you know, if you, if you, like if you think of it, like humans have been at war for so long. Like it's so it's so natural, it's so natural war, but at the same time so unnatural because we live in such a safe environment. Um, so yeah, you just, you're just partaking in history. Like I was 19 years old turning up at basic training. I remember turning up at the train station, and um, you meet like you end up, you all meet in the same location, and um, like the, the screws or the corporals come and take you take you up to to the camp, and I remember looking around at the other lads and just thinking like some some big big lads or but like but everyone looks stronger and fitter than you or like more confident or. You know, you just have this perception of them. And they're probably, you know, looking back now, they're doing exactly the same. They're looking at you going like, fuck, like, these guys are stronger, fitter than me. I think it's just something that humans have got ingrained into them. And then, yeah, you jump in the, in, in, in the minibuses and, and drive and get thrown like a set of, like, Ron Hills and a maroon jumper. And that's you. You, like, get your head shaved and you're initiated into the into the transformation camp from civilian to soldier. Um, and it is literally that, right? You turn up as a civilian, you know, wide-eyed, eager, and you leave as as a soldier, um, and it takes six months. And uh, yeah, like, do you know what? I was, I kind of shocked myself getting through that. Cause I was never, I was never the fittest. Like I was never the strongest. I was never at the front. Like and we used to do these exercises where, you know, you you'd be it'd be a warm-up before we went on a tab. And the PTIs would, you know, point to a tree and just say, Right, everyone to that tree and back, last last ten, go again. And I'd always be in that last ten. Um and then it'd be right, go again, last five, go again. And I'd always be in that last five. But um I kinda like I had a, a bit of a theory around that. And um I guess cuz I was never the fittest, never the strongest, but I've always completed stuff and always hung on. So I've always been used to being you know in that fatigue state. Like that's quite normal for me. Which as we all know that builds resilience and that builds a stronger mind and body. Whereas the, the front runners they were just used to you know running at their normal pace and just being okay with that. Um, so you know when you deploy to places like the jungle or some of these harsher environments like where everyone is on that level of fatigue like for me it was just normal and you'd see some of the fittest people just fall over and you know collapse with heat stroke or you know just not be able to to carry on just because of the conditions I've just always been someone who can put one foot in front of the other and I think if you break down any mental or physical challenge it's just a case of progression and as long as you can keep that momentum and keep that progression going forward you'll get to where you need to go like going back to again like i'm in, i'm in my comfort zone when i'm when i'm fatigued so you know that i just know that i can just keep you break it down right and it's just one step and then the next step's just one step and just you know, forget about where it is that you, you need to go and just concentrate on that next step. And like, the rest is just time. And time moves right, time ticks down, and then eventually you just find yourself in that position. So we, on that 2006 tour of Af- Afghanistan, so the first time that I came under contact, we, deployed out, so it was supposed to be a peacekeeping operation Um, and we didn't know it would go as noisy as what it it did but we deployed to a place called Nauzad Um, and there was, we had a patrols platoon that that were already stationed there, doing some wrecky stuff and we literally landed on these, landed in these CH-47 helicopters and um, I remember running off the back of the, the helicopter and you know, that was the first time that I heard the crack and thump of a of a round flying over your head. And we'd just run into this massive scrap that the uh, the patrols lads were in. So there's kind of RPGs flying over our head, machine gun fire. Um, and you know what, I think soldiers are very good at hiding fear with humour. Um, and we just looked at each other and just burst out in laughter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah I remember just running to this wall and just getting down behind this wall and we all just looked at each other and just went well this is it isn't it like this is started um, and that was a long day like you know I think we we're in contact for say six to eight hours and personally I you know I think once you get over the like once you get over the first reaction of the first round that's been fired and the first round that you've heard, the rest of it just all sounds sounds the same. Like you're in that moment then. Um, and the rest is just about thinking logically about how you combat that situation and how you get out of that situation. Like those kind of contacts, you've got a lot of time to, to stop and think because generally, you know, you could be shooting at each other from 100 meters away, you know, nine times out of 10 or yeah, nine times out of ten, those rounds aren't very accurate. So you can generally get behind some sort of cover and take time to plan and, and think about your next move. Um, you know, as your career progresses and you end up, you know, fighting closer to people. So in buildings or in closed spaces, the time it takes to make the action or make the decision gets reduced. Um, so that's more about your instincts and more about just training that you've done previous. You know, guys in the special forces are like we're still human beings. Um, You know, we're the same as everyone else. Um, You know, there's no difference there. Like you still feel, think and do everything that every normal person does. It's just you've got a different, you know, you picked a different job career and you've got a different level of training. Selection is like a race of attrition and um, you generally start with around 150 to 170. In the first three weeks you're probably down to around 50 and then you go out on the next phase and you know you could come back with say 20-25 people which is probably a good a good course and then the rest of it is just training to get you ready to join join the squadron. Um, I think for me Like, I enjoyed selection. Um, Like, there wasn't one day when I woke up and just went, that I didn't want to be here. It was more just about, you know, just proving to myself that I could get through each day. And I kind of found enjoyment in seeing people fall off. I think a lot of people do. As in, not in a bad way, right? I didn't rub anyone's face in it. But when you're doing things that are difficult, and you've got an easy option to get out, you can just walk off and pack your kit and go. And you'll be in a warm shower and bath, and you know whatever food you want. So it's easy to to quit, which makes it, you know, the majority of people do quit. I think when that happens, like you, you see their weakness and it pumps it puts you up a level, right? And I think as as the less able members the less able soldiers start to drop off, you end up with a a tight-knit bunch of guys that have all been through the same shit. And uh, you form bonds through through those dark times. You counteract it with a bit of humor. At the end, you're left with a good group of lads. Yeah, do you know, like resilience is probably one of the biggest things for soldiers to have, and Being a soldier will teach you you about resilience, and all resilience is just an ability to be able to do difficult things. Because at the end of the day, if you're in the special forces, you're working with a group group or a team, and you're all going out and doing, taking actions under high stress environments. And then you've got to be able to read those environments well. Um, And then obviously a base level of, of decent fitness that you can work on. But you know, like every special forces soldier just wants to get better at what he's doing. And it's a a high, you know, it's a high testosterone, high alpha male environment where everyone's just trying to outdo each other secretly. And, um, you know, everyone wants to be better at it. Everyone wants to be better better than everyone else at shooting or whatever it is. It's a good environment to be in. Yeah, like it can be quite intimidating when you first start because. And especially me, like I was twenty-four when I passed selection. And like the rest of the guys in my troop role, you know, late 30s, early forties. They're all men. And uh Yeah, so it's it's quite intimidating. And you know, the sta- they've already got high standards, right? They've been using all the kit and equipment and doing runouts way before I've turned up. So it's you know, I've I've now like I've done a six month course, right, which is selection, but that doesn't mean that a special forces soldier, like that comes after, like when you start training with the teams, when you start learning different crafts. You know, I went away and became a medic. Um, you know, became a high altitude, a high altitude parachutist. Like all these different skills and um, experiences that you that you learn that you can then bring to the team. Um, so yeah, it's you know you want to prove yourself and you want want to feel accepted like fear generally only happens for like a short period of time because there's usually a logical explanation that that you can put to why you're feeling that fear whether it's a round that's just cracked over your head or something that's just exploded or you know maybe there's some rock fall on a mountain like that's a moment to be scared right but there's a logical explanation for it. And there's usually an action that you can take, which is going to get you out of that fear feeling and get you to some sort of safety. So you've got to break it down that way. I think kind of the things that, that, that scare me more than, than those dangerous kind of things are just, like living a stagnant life or living a boring life. Um, like boredom and mediocrity, Fit like scare me way more than, than climbing Everest or, being shot at and I think like I'd hate to just get to the age of like 80 or 90 years old or 100 and just turn back and just think that I've wasted time just start small and you've got to like be honest with yourself right it's your choice like it's your life like no one else is going to change it so you've got to make that decision and then it's you know, if you're not happy with your life and you want to change it, then then do it, right? And, and I don't know what that is, what, what anyone else is feeling, but, you know, if you start small and whether it's, you know, you, you want to get in shape, like start walking, start trying to create habits that are, that are healthy for, you, for your body and for your mind. You know, start walking, join a gym, join classes, put yourself in these situations. And this is where you grow, right? Because you're putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation. My uncomfortable situation is completely different to someone else's uncomfortable situation, and you know you could say that a million times over. Um, and career is like a big one, right? Like that's the that's the that's the comfiest thing that people have is a career and money coming in, because that's you know without money, like the chances of being homeless and not being able to pay for food for your kids and your family, like that's that's the biggest fear, right? Um, And I can't tell anyone to to change that. You know, you've just got to ask yourself whether that's something that you want to change.